listeners and welcome to the latest episode of The Red Cube. We are delighted to be joined again by Charlotte Dooley, uh, People's Success Director of Version 1. Uh, you probably caught Charlotte on an earlier episode uh, he did for us around uh, some of the great things that Version 1 have been doing for their people and culture. Charlotte, you're very welcome again. Thanks, Colin. Great to be back with you. So, Gerald, I suppose the hot topic, right, on the mind of workplaces and, and people at the moment is um, what's our future way of working going to be? Really delighted to hear your insights and your experience in terms of version one. And, and I suppose a good place to start, Gerald, would be, I suppose, what has the, the experience of version one been like um, since COVID has uh, has has come into our land in terms of in terms of how work, how, how has work been in version one? I'll preface this by saying that we're fortunate in the business we're in and I'm well aware of when I'm talking that a lot of businesses didn't have the opportunity we have in terms of either being hospitality or, or tourism or other industries that they were literally shut down. So we're an IT business and one of the things I think that COVID forced companies to do was to invest in their IT. So that's that's been good for us in terms of at least protecting the organization and, and the, the jobs of the people in it. So it's just over a year ago since we, we moved almost 1,200 people to remote working. And you know, because of the investment we had made in our own internal IT, it made the move pretty seamless and, and without too much stress. And you know, I'd like to think if I'd asked my IT director two weeks earlier, uh, how long will it take to get 1,200 people working remotely, he probably would have said, three years or never because the company won't do it but we did it in five days and um, as I said pretty seamless but look that's only a technicality in terms of getting people connected and remote working after that it's about ways of working and there's been a lot talked about resilience and connectivity and loneliness etc but I think a high for me last year we're seeing the return on our investment in the years we spent building a culture of trust and empowerment because it meant we didn't miss a beat in terms of delivering excellence to our customers and we continue to build on the best workplace only now our focus had to change on building a best digital workplace so all in all for version one I mean, we, we we survey our staff every quarter and, and have done for years and q4 2020 was our highest ever result on that and, and very positive feedback in terms of the whole COVID experience from people. So we've been lucky that it's mainly been positive. You know, there were lows in, in the early months, you know, mainly due to the uncertainty we all faced. You know, so we had to make decisions like holding back on, on paying profit share, which was the first time we had held back in 38 quarters, I think, you know, on awarding pay increases and just cutting budgets around marketing and other areas, you know, which was, what we felt prudent and we had to do, but against the backdrop of uncertainty, wasn't our most pleasant quarter. Um, it was actually the quarter we did the Great Place to Work survey, so I wish we'd done it in Q4. <laughs> but uh, I think from then on, you know, we were, we were able to reverse all that later in the year, pay the, the quarter we missed profit share, so there was a double quarter for people. And when people saw how prudently we managed, and uh, I think it just reinforced the trust that you know the, the company will will take balanced decisions and do the right thing. So highs and lows, but for us, it was mainly a year where we reaped the rewards of, of investments we'd made in previous years. 
isn't it incredible to think five five days and twelve hundred people and, and and we're all working remote now was there a rhythm in place already for people or some people within version one about uh, around remote working yeah we we've had flex policies and we've had remote working and we've including people who who left version one to to go to places like New Zealand and Taiwan and uh, Canada and continue to work for us remotely. So we've we've always had the the technical capability for it, and you know we've had a lot of flexible patterns, be it three day weeks, half time, term time, sometimes in the office, sometimes uh, remote. But this this is a whole new scale. So yeah, we we experience with it, and. Uh, and we had the technical capability, but I think the biggest thing we had was that culture of trust and empowerment that we just knew productivity would improve because we just know the people we have and and their you know the empowerment we'd given them. And I think because of the trust side, the people knew that we would make the right decisions and protect the business and and drive forward. So that trust and empowerment was the key thing. I, I agree, Gerald. I think this is a key piece, right? So so um a track record of building trust since 2009 building up those trust levels with with employees and um, how does that how does that tangibly play out then when it comes to either a new way of working or making difficult decisions the fact that you have trust in the bank one of the things that people look for from their leaders is that they act decisively and communicate clearly what what plans are so we did that very much in the first few months, um, but quickly got to a point where we said to people, whatever happens, everything changes. So we're designing our own future and we're going to control our own future. And we devised a strategy called becoming naturally digital. So we said the one thing that will come out of COVID is the businesses that are naturally digital will be the businesses that go on to thrive. You know, I, I would equate it back to the, the dot-com era the, the companies who, who saw the internet as, you know, j- just a place to put your brochure where went out of business pretty quickly. The ones who saw it as an e-commerce platform, you know, some of them met it, some of them didn't. The ones who went naturally all into the internet and designed their business models around it, uh, you know, the most amazing example being Amazon uh, are the ones that went down to thrive. And I think this is, this is the same as the internet, that the companies who think COVID is a year, 18 months and things will go back to normal, I think are a real risk of, of going out of business. I, I think there are others who are sitting and waiting and, and they're, they're tinkering around the edges and some of them will survive. And then the ones who embrace and say, well, the one thing that will come from this is that everything will change in some way. And the common thing across all that is about being a naturally digital organization. So that was the strategy we communicated to our people. And that is what we've driven on with. So as always with version one, when it comes to challenge, and this is a track record over the years, when we're faced with challenge, uh, there's always an ambition to flourish uh, and an ambition to come through whatever challenge uh, challenge we're faced we're faced with just just thinking about that remote working piece Gerald. so people working remotely you know everyone in the business is there particular practice areas that you over index on in version one like that you really do a lot of a particular practice area the fact that things have now gone fully remote if you if you, if you take um, a naturally digital example the traditional one is 
somebody submits a CV, they come in and do a first interview, they might do a technical interview, they might do a culture HR interview, all face to face. And, you know, we were a company that was looking to hire 300 people. So that was the first one we had to major on and over index in terms of we have to get without losing any of the quality uh, or our standards, we have got to ensure we create a full naturally digital recruitment process right from the employer brand through the application process, automating the, the tests to the psychometrics being done online to video interviews right through to the offer being signed electronically. And that was one of the first things we did. And we were able to hire close on 300 people in the last year because we went and created a naturally digital recruitment process and trained our managers in it and put the tools behind it. Of course, when you're hiring 300 people, the next thing it says to you is, oh, we always get them in to the conference center and we spend a couple of days inducting them and people come in and talk to them. And then they go and they sit with their teams and they learn through a mix of osmosis and sitting by Nelly and all the, the traditional ways that people got on board it. And that's all gone. So we had to double down and major on digital onboarding and create a better and more prolonged experience for people. So we didn't just take the one or two day uh, conference center experience and just have people talk to people ad nauseum on video because that's not going to yield a lot, but instead look at giving them pre-boarding material and then leading them on through their first three months, putting a lot more focus on connections and belonging because otherwise they might meet anybody, only their manager and the two people they work with every day. So again, to take that and turn it into something digital. You look at, you talk about culture, you know, one of our core values is excellence. And every year we have a very big version one party across all our offices that celebrates excellence in, in our annual excellence awards. And uh, of course we couldn't do that because people couldn't get together. So instead we designed a digital excellence awards that ran over a month rather than one night. By doing it digitally over a month, we actually got much, much, actually double the engagement we got in previous years and it served a much greater purpose of embedding that core value of excellence right across the company and that was again not just taking a physical event and putting it online that was redesigning in a naturally digital way so it's it's all our practices so our becoming naturally digital program currently has 125 initiatives in it 30 of them are complete most of the rest are in progress and the key thing about it is that this is owned by people. So it is not a transformation program run by a program manager. It's not an IT driven program that is just about tools and tech. This is a ways of working program. And what we've done is empowered people and their teams to say, look at how you do things and you design digitally how it needs to be to be fit for the future. So that's why there's 130 initiatives and there will probably be 200 by the end of Q2 because it is team by team designing their digital future. And we're just providing them with the technology, the consultancy, a bit of project management to help them make that real. And what has really come out of it is there is no silo approach. People are working together saying, I see you're doing that in your team, that would work in my team. So it's massively encouraged sharing to me, it's the most successful change program I've been involved in because it is completely bottom up and there is an impetus, you know, we have to do it and everybody sees the relevance of it. 
And I think that's that's what will ensure that version one thrives post-COVID. Of course, if we that was, can... a, that was a long answer, but it's an important one. No, absolutely. And it's clear how much importance version one put on it, 125 plus initiatives, a branded strategic approach again. And, you know, what we know is that any solution that comes to the business with a real sense of ownership from the people in the business um, will be appreciated so much more. So it's great to see. One of the things, Charlotte, that we've heard back from businesses is that um, some of their people have found it easy to get into a rhythm working remotely and then some people not so much. Has this been your experience for your people in version one? Yeah, it's kind of led to new thinking, which we, we'll touch on. But we've gone from a homogenous environment, you know, where people sat in hundreds of cubes and had the same experience and the same tools and technologies available to where, you know, there's four people in a flat around the kitchen table. There's people in parts of the country where broadband isn't good. There's people who have young children. There's people who have elderly parents. You name it, there is every type and variety of situation. So that poses challenges and, and, you know, some people simplified it down to, oh, this is great for the introverts. They love their working remotely on their own and the extroverts are going mad, but it's way deeper than that. And, you know, our, our response was we designed what we called the WellTech program, which is combining wellness and technology again to cater for all those different needs that people have. So, you know, for some people, it's a broadband booster that improves the broadband within the the house they're sharing with four others or whatever. And, you know, they're expensive items at at 160 quid for a good one. And it's it's great to get that delivered to your door. For other people, it was Bluetooth headsets and that, where if you're uh, on a meeting and your child falls down the stairs, you can just walk out and pick them up and still talk uh, or if someone comes with a delivery to the door you, you you know you've got the bluetooth you can move around it was putting teams on people's mobile phones so they could go and have a walk and do what we call walk and talk meetings uh, so we encourage people to do one-to-one meetings while you're out walking uh, and talking and getting a bit of air and getting away from your desk so the whole thing was to untether people from their desks, encourage movement, give people the tools to ensure that they could have the best working environment and the most well working environment, no matter what their environment was. So for someone like me, I was well set up. I didn't need much, but for other people who had different environments, they, they needed a lot. And you know, one of the key things in it is there was, we deliberately put no approval process in place. So back to the trust and empowerment, we just said people aren't going to order stuff just to give it to their mates if they don't need it. And that's, that's been our experience. It has not been abused. You know, we learned that from our recognition program, our call-out platform, which allows people to give points and points mean prizes. Again, we didn't put an approval in place by senior management and it was not abused. People weren't awarding points to their friends and to each other just to get prizes so that's worked really really well i think that if you talk to our people to say that well tech is probably one of the best things we did in the last year it's brilliant and a real nuanced approach in terms of you know what what's the needs of our people what is it that you need and getting that to them yeah whatever it is and as you said some people you know obviously people have have different needs. You touched it there in terms of the new way of thinking, Gerlot. And of course, the hot topic, right, for workplaces is what are we going to look like as a workplace post-COVID? And we nearly got through the interview without me saying COVID, so apologies <laughs> for that. I know you touched on it already, but future way of working for version one, 
how are you approaching that topic? Um, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, so I, I think the becoming actually digital is is about changing the ways of working, and that's underway, and, and it's it's got a momentum that'll carry itself through as almost like a continuous improvement piece. But I think there's a couple of other areas that haven't yet come about because we're still in lockdown. But definitely the hybrid working model and what that means, and you know, for a company like us with 14 offices and. 1400 people and growing it's a complete rethink so we've started to remodel our, our main offices our larger offices you know I, I think there will be an imposed increase in space per person and so we've removed many of the cubes and made it a far more pleasant place to to, to go into but it's going to require sophistication like desk booking software so teams can book parts of a building to go in on certain days so it's, it's, it's a rethink of the structure of the building. It's a rethink of the IT and the, the software to support people coming and going. It's going to require a rethink on, on policies because a lot of people, I'd say most companies are still working off old employment contracts of your hours of work or nine to five and your location is this. So we've restructured our, our contracts to cater for hybrid working that you know, we know we've gone from nine to five to a much broader working uh, structure. We have hundreds of examples, but you know, I know one person worked six to eleven in the morning, and then went on childcare till four in the afternoon, and then went four to seven. So, so that's a key thing of that hybrid hybrid working. I, I think a second thing um, we're going to see is a massive increase in the mobility of people. And I think this is a like all of these things. It's a, it's a huge opportunity. And it's a massive threat to to business. So people can change jobs seamlessly now. If you think pre-COVID, a big consideration of changing job was your commute. A big change was moving location. <clears throat> now people can change jobs seamlessly from where they are. Or if they were living, for example, in Dublin City, just to be near their work, they can now move to Cork or to Kerry or overseas and continue to work you know so it means two things one is you can now source people globally and you know we, we've had to change our workforce sourcing to be more global in perspective but it also means that your people can work for any global organization so a company in silicon valley can say rather than setting up an office in dublin they can still do a campaign and hire 20 people in dublin and have a little hub that they go to once a month or every now and again for meetings, but mainly work from home. So I think that mobility is going to be a massive change. And that's something we are examining closely and planning around as well. And that, that mobility piece can be a double-edged sword as well. So, so we're opening yeah. up a pool of opportunity in terms of talent and where we can source talent from. And, and then it also creates a, a bit more competitiveness in terms of how we hold on to our Yeah, and, and if, if I, I believe if, you know, if companies have might have done a lot of the right things in the last year, but if, if, if they haven't been able to maintain a sense of belonging and, and culture, then what hold is there for somebody to stay when they can just get a new laptop delivered and they're up and running with another organization? I think it puts a new emphasis on the best workplace, the great place to work type model for people to say it's actually going to get even more competitive and, and particularly in IT, which is going to just continue to grow as a result of this. 
Yeah, of course. And, and it's, um, you know, it's never been about this stuff, right, as you know, or the office perks or anything like that. And it's, 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 it's about that belonging piece. It's about the trust. Um, yeah. It's about the environment that we create for our people to be at their best. It ha- their job has to be about something more than just the stuff that they get, you know, which, which I know version Absolutely, one, yeah. version one have done a phenomenal job in terms of how you've, you've cultivated that type of environment. Charlotte, uh, for, for our listeners, any advice to them as they look to consider their own future way of working post COVID any advice or steps or things they should watch out for? And, and of course our listeners are, are across all different industries, right? Yeah, I think it's common to to all industries, and and I may be wrong, but I, I think you know we've seen the next stage of change that followed things like the industrial revolution and, and the internet and the breaking of that office based homogenous nine to five experience and the last four or five years of the employee experience movement, which really concentrated on your experience from once you came in the door at nine o'clock till you went home in the evening. I think that that has to move on a level now. And this this is just speaking from my own personal experience in, in version one, is that we've got to move from treating humans as employees and we need to go start treating employees as humans. So it is going beyond the nine to five and getting into, you know, who is this person? What is their circumstances, their environment? It is taking a far greater interest in the overall wellness of that person and not just the productivity nine to five and and looking at how the organization can extend not only its help but also its responsibility to ensure that they're considering the whole person and i think that will see a much bigger payback than employee experience ever saw so that's our current thinking and that's how how we are approaching it and i think in terms of trust and empowerment if you can extend beyond employee experience to a human experience then i think it will hugely add to that but also i think it it will help with the threats like the global sourcing threat i talked about because it that human experience is what will create the belonging and the connective to the organization in a disparate remote type environment or a hybrid environment so i I think that's what i would encourage people to, to shift their thinking from employee experience to human experience. And the second thing is to look at how you design your organization digitally. And that, that means redesign in a lot of areas. It's not just moving things online. It's a brilliant opportunity to step back and say, how can we do this better and faster and create a better experience for people along the way? So there's kind of the two things I would say to people are imperatives. Charlotte is really great advice there it's it's great to speak to you again and uh, mind you virtually hopefully we can we can have a coffee um soon but really appreciate you joining us Charlotte. no uh, always a pleasure Cahill, and thank you thanks a lot talk to you soon red cube listeners thank you very much for joining us today please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already done so and of course leave us a review and tell us what topics would you like us to cover 